chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace out here at Parkway Tavern, Volunteer Road, just across the street from the M Resort and Casino. Get down here, we've got pair of golden knights tickets to give away so you're not going to want to miss that plus you want to check this out great place to watch the game plenty of tvs and it's a big game for the vegas golden knights coming up at six o'clock chris chapman is back inside the finley chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios finley chevrolet on the 215 home of the darren millard still recovering he is doing well and i am just telling you right now like I, i can't wait to have Darren back on the program and back with us because in an alluring be... sculpted body. Well, uh, okay, that was that was weird, Chapman. Don't 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 do that drop again. That like that that totally messed my flow up, buddy. <laughs> I thought you liked that one though. No, it's it's a fine drop, oh, but it okay. just it, like I thought that a commercial was playing. Like <laughs> and and like understand that I fully recognize that it is a commercial. Like one hundred percent, I get that it's a commercial, but I felt like uh, like you would hit a, the wrong button, and all of a sudden we were in spots. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? You never know. That does happen from time to time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not indicting you or anything. I'm just saying like there there have been moments where. Uh, we have been in commercials or we have been off uh, the air air and (laughs) on the air. So uh, listen, I'm, I'm excited for when Darren comes back and is able to do the show. And and mainly because there is a, a, an optimism an eternal optimism of Darren Millard that I think is important in these moments when the season is essentially hanging in the balance. And it's not that, that dire for the Golden Knights tonight and mainly because they got a lot of help last night from the Colorado Avalanche. I, you know, I tune in and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, why in the world, if you're Todd McClellan, why in the world are you starting Jonathan Quick in back-to-back games when he hasn't done it since 2017 at altitude and on travel from Chicago to Colorado. Like, why are you doing that, Chapman? Like, why are you setting yourself up to be down three to nothing less than 10 minutes into the game? I just, I don't, I don't get it. It baffled me, the decision-making from Todd McClellan to go with Jonathan Quick in that spot. And granted, the way that Colorado played last night, I don't think it would have mattered if, if Cal Peterson started the game and Jonathan Quick ended the game or vice versa as it was yesterday. Colorado was always going to beat the Kings last night. Yeah, it was a no-doubter, and it was a no-doubter. Colorado had three guys who each had two goals, and the McKinnon ended up with three. So, uh, yeah, no-doubter. I don't understand the mindset either. Uh, I mean, play Cal Peterson. It, it doesn't matter. It's, look, you, you could have you afforded the loss. The last thing you would want to do is, is put Quick out there in a situation where maybe he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already down Dowdy. You lose Jonathan Quick, and all of a sudden these next six games become – I mean, not that Cal Peterson's terrible, but maybe maybe you're not as confident in those six games as, as you would be with Jonathan Quick. Yeah. 
So the interesting thing about last night is that the Golden Knights are once again in a position where you win a couple of games and you're back to where you wanted to be going into that Vancouver game. Now it's up to the Golden Knights to go into Calgary tonight and win. And and I wanted to kind of bring something to your attention. Also, uh, just so everybody knows, we are, are efforting Gary Lawless, the Golden Knight insider himself, around 4.15. So in about 10 minutes, we hope to get Gary on the line. We've also got one-timers. And, of course, we'll finish the program off today. Just an hour, I'm going to preempt myself. It's one of the beauties of radio. I get to interrupt myself, and I can't do anything about it. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll finish the show off with, with catching up with Chapman. Uh, one of the interesting things that I, I think is, is so funny surrounding the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames is the idea that the Golden Knights can't win in Calgary. Like, we've heard that, right? We've heard historically the Golden Knights, they have not played well. They have struggled in that building. But then when you dig into the numbers, and I dug into the numbers a little bit earlier today, the Golden Knights have actually won in Calgary. That's not something the Flames can say about visiting T-Mobile Arena. Here's how it breaks down. While 2-4 and four is not an ideal record for the Golden Knights at the Saddle Dome, it is far and away better than Calgary's 0-7 at T-Mobile Arena. Like, why, why do we not talk about the Calgary Flames and their inability to win in Vegas and make such a mountain out of the fact that the Golden Knights have just two wins and six tries in Calgary? Well, I, I think because you don't really think about games that you win, right? Like, yeah, you, you, you know you, you won those games. There's really not a whole lot to worry about. But I think when you have a place where you historically struggle and and certainly Calgary is that place. You know, the funny thing is Golden Knights have a very good record overall against the Calgary Flames. Yes. Nine wins yes. compared to four losses. But it seems like some of the worst losses in the, in team history, like I remember years ago, I, I was doing a Monday night football party because the Golden Knights played in Calgary. And at the time, Frank was part of the show and he had Golden Knight commitments. So I did the party for him at Palace Station. And I remember Malcolm Subban was in net for the Golden Knights that night, and the score was, I think, 7 nothing in the second period. Like, I'll give you that, they were, that they've been lopsided, but again, my point is the, the narrative surrounding the Golden Knights' struggles up in Calgary is that they can't win. They have. Like, that, that's the part that I take exception with, and that's the part that if I'm a Golden Knights fan looking at this objectively— the Golden Knights can go into Calgary and win tonight. They can absolutely go in there and find a way to get two points because it's not like they've never done it before. That's the argument that I'm making. Yeah, but I, I think historically, and that's obviously a pretty important thing to look at, they've won twice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Mm -hmm. They've lost four times. The problem is they only average 2.5 goals per game in the Saddledome. Yeah. And their average that they give up goals against in the Saddle Dome, by far and away the worst of any place that they play in the NHL. It's a whopping 5.17 <laughs> goals against per game. The only place that's even remotely close to that is the Canada Life Center, which is in Winnipeg, where they don't play very well either. Of course, they don't count the playoffs in there where the Golden Knights actually won a couple games a few years ago. But yeah, overall... Not not a good uh, record. It's the only place that's over five goals allowed, and there's only one other building where they allow over four. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's not good when you're looking at those numbers in, in deep. 15 goals for the Golden Knights, 31 against. Sure. 
all that makes sense to me. My, my only argument, again, is that they've done it before, and, and I think that that's going to be important, and it's going to be something that the, the leadership group and the players on the ice are going to have to lean into today. And, you know, when, when you look at big-time games, regular season games, we have seen time and again the Golden Knights show up for the biggest moments. When they have an opportunity – you know, to me, I know they didn't get the result, but playing shorthanded last year, essentially for the President's Trophy against the Colorado Avalanche, that was their best game of the year. Hands down, not even up for debate. Regular season, they were phenomenal in that game. It didn't go their direction, but they were undermanned and they controlled the Colorado Avalanche. There have been moments this season where against Colorado, Vegas has played their best hockey, against Nashville, against teams like Tampa before uh, the, the the Christmas break where the Golden Knights have played incredibly good hockey against very difficult opponents and I think that the more I start to look at the schedule down the stretch and the more we talk about okay well the, the Los Angeles Kings they are not playing any playoff teams the rest of the way the Golden Knights they're about a 50-50 split down the stretch of playoff teams and non-playoff teams and then you look at it even a little bit deeper it's Calgary and it's Edmonton the next two those are big time games when it comes to where the Golden Knights might fall in the playoffs to me I think I'd rather have playoff teams on the on the schedule because I think that's what brings out the best in the Golden Knights. That's the challenge that this team seems to relish as more than anything else. I think the schedule might actually help Vegas because you have to you have these games you have to get up for because if you don't you're playing the likes of Washington who can make it look really bad and Calgary and Edmonton who can put the puck in the back of the net. The, that's why it's so important, I think, for the Golden Knights to be playing playoff teams as opposed to the opposite direction where you're L.A., you don't have any playoff teams the rest of the year. Well, and, you know, I, I guess one way to look at it is the last two times the Golden Knights have played at the Saddledome, they lost one and they won one because the last two games, one of those was right before the bubble. Yep. And they went into Calgary and they won that game 5-3, and then, of course, the following night, they beat the Oilers in overtime, and that was the last game they played for a long, long time uh, before they started back up in the bubble. So this group of players, now I understand that uh, Alex Petrangelo and, and, and Jack Eichel weren't a part of that team, but the core group of that team is still together. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, the, the misfits. So the other thing I, I, I look at is the Golden Knights have never had a must-win game in Calgary. They've always played them at, at times where, sure, hold you want to win. Hold on, is today a must win? I think it is. Yeah. Well, I, I think at this point, every time the Kings lose, it becomes a must win game for you because otherwise you, you, you don't gain anything out you're of it. You're not gaining ground, yeah. So you, you, you're at a point now where the Kings have six games left. You have, what, seven including tonight, eight including tonight? Eight including tonight. You, you absolutely have to win when the Kings drop points, and, and I, don't think there's, I don't think that's debatable. So I, I feel like, yeah, tonight is a must win. I feel like Saturday is a must win because you, you put that together and you have a race. You lose both those games and you're really in big trouble. Yeah, I, I think this is a big one for Vegas. Not just this one, but also uh, Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. Like the, the opportunity for the Golden Knights, and I talked about this going into the three-game road trip, I think you need five or six points. And certainly now you're not going to get six, but you can still get five. You go into Calgary and Edmonton 
you find four points over these next two games, and it's the road trip that everyone was hoping for, wanted, and needed. Now, you still need help down the stretch. That's the virtue of this playoff race, where you are at in the standings, where Los Angeles is. Uh, there's, there's going to need to be some moments where if L.A. falters, the Golden Knights have to take advantage. And I think you bring that up, Chapman, it's, it's the perfect point. When Los Angeles loses hockey games, and the same can be said for the Edmonton Oilers, when the Edmonton Oilers lose hockey games, the Golden Knights have to go out and win their next game. They have to go out and bank those points. They have to go out and narrow that margin, narrow that gap, because anything can happen over the course of the next two weeks. Anything can happen. Any combination of uh, Vegas and, and Los Angeles and Edmonton, two through four in the Pacific Division is feasible in my opinion. The only team in the Pacific that I really feel like is safe right now is the Calgary Flames. So I, I, I'm going to pose this question to you, and when we get Gary Lawless on, I'm going to pose it to him as well. Do we give the Flames enough credit for what they've done this year? I feel like there's an idea that Calgary is is only in this spot, only in this position because the Golden Knights have battled through injuries all season long and that somehow they're they're maybe not as good as their record would indicate. What do you say? I say that's a that's a little crap. Because I think Calgary is a very very good team. Look, they have they have a great goaltender and we'll start there with Jacob Markstrom, a yeah. guy who who would have been the goalie for Sweden had NHL players gone to the Olympics. Uh, they've they've got a guy who has won the Stanley Cup behind the bench, a guy who understands what it takes. They've got some some really good players. I mean, we went through it, I think, yesterday. Four guys with 30 goals. Uh, that's that's pretty damn good. Johnny Goudreau could win the Hart Trophy. And I'm going to be honest, Ryan, I feel like a lot of people are disrespecting the Flames. And not just, you know, uh, here in, in Vegas or Pacific Division, but I think maybe across the country, maybe across the entire NHL, maybe a lot of people aren't taking them serious. I got to give you credit. You were on them really early. And, 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 you know, you, you said back back in December, January, that they were going to be a force and they were going to be a really tough team to beat out. And, you know, it stands true. I mean, they, they have been, I think, consistently, they've been the best team in the Pacific. And you know what? Injuries are part of the game, and, and I don't think that's an excuse. But Calgary, Calgary's been really good, and, and I think they're going to be really tough to beat if you get them in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I look at the Calgary Flames, and to me, there's high-end skill, absolutely. Where you're talking about Johnny Gaudreau, you're talking about Matthew Kachuk. Uh, those two guys, 101 points for Gaudreau, 92 for Kachuk. Uh, they are really, really stirring the drink this year for the Calgary Flames. But then you look at kind of the additions that they made. You bring in Blake Coleman. You have that veteran presence, a, a guy that knows what it takes to win. Then you've got Tyler Toffoli coming into the fold, and he's been fantastic for the Flames since being acquired shortly before the trade deadline line and then you you look at Daryl Sutter what he's been able to do and and bringing out the best in Johnny Gaudreau I think that that's kind of one of those things where um, you know you you have your preconceived notions of what Daryl Sutter and his impact is going to be on a player like Gaudreau and he's blossomed this season the Calgary Flames are complete they're deep and it's going to be interesting to see where the Golden Knights are at right now because I view this one as a big time game I, I you know for the Golden Knights a five-point road trip is still on the table, but it has to be, uh, you have to get there by winning this game. You have to get there by playing an incredible game against Calgary, and I think for the Golden Knights, that's going to be a, a big part of this one tonight and the rest of the way. Like, 
what you do in this game tonight against Calgary, it, it can really boost you and, and carry you through the final eight of the regular season. So we're going to get down to Calgary right now, or up to Calgary, I suppose, from Vegas, and bring in the Golden Knight insider himself, Gary Lawless. Hey, Gary, how is Calgary treating you? Uh, Calgary has uh, been excellent. It's been a little snowy, <laughs> uh, but uh, great uh, family dinner last night with the broadcast crew and uh, getting ready for uh, the next most important game of the season. So is that is that just the approach right now? Is is every every next game is the most important and, and without underselling just how important this one is tonight against Calgary? Yeah, 100%. You're three points back with uh, eight games to go on your schedule uh, from either Dallas or... Uh, or L.A., uh, you can't afford to go five. you gotta got to win. you got to put two points in the bank. Uh, this is, uh, by no stretch of the imagination, this is playoff hockey now. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I feel like there's kind of been this, this idea that when you compare schedules down the stretch, the Golden Knights, they have a, a tougher schedule than, say, Los Angeles, one of the teams that they're chasing down. But I would make the argument that, you know, I, I want the Calgarys and the Edmontons. I want teams that are gearing up for the playoffs to kind of give the Golden Knights a, a nudge in that direction because I would make the argument that this year against the playoff teams, the Golden Knights have really brought their A game. Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't like the opponent, I think, is kind of irrelevant for Vegas. They have to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's Chicago or Detroit or, uh, or Anaheim or. Colorado or Calgary, you know, I know they're going to play all those teams. They're just using examples of, of low-end teams versus high-end teams. they got to win. That, that's the bottom line. So um, dissecting how they played against uh, uh, certain, a certain level of team is uh, certainly you can go down that path and, and find an answer. But to me, it's, it's, it's very simple. You have to win. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Vegas has New Jersey. Uh, a little down the stretch here, um, they got to win that game, <laughs> and they obviously need to win tonight. So I think they, have, I think they, from my guess, they have two spots on the on the bingo card that they can that they can lose two more games where they can lose um, and still get in. I think six and two would probably get them into the playoffs, but uh, it might it might be seven and one. So uh, don't worry about the opponent; uh, just go out there and win games. Gary, Golden Knights are, are two and four all time at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. In the two games they've won, they've been really good. And in the four games they've lost, they've been really bad. So why has that building kind of been Dr. Frankenstein's lab for this team? I don't know. I think they're like seven to no against Calgary at home, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty good against them, yeah. Yeah. So I got to me the building doesn't really matter. It's uh it's <laughs> they had good goaltending one game and bad cold ending another game or uh, you know, the team didn't play to their structure one night. Like the building has uh, uh, the location of the building and the actual the ice surface that has nothing to do with it. It's just the, the games at Vegas is it's coincidental. Uh, those Vegas has brought bad games here more often than not. Golden Knight insider Gary Lawless joining us here as we set the table on a big-time game for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Calgary Flames. And, you know, Gary, I'm, I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts, obviously, on the game on Tuesday against the Vancouver Canucks. It wasn't one of those clinic games from the Vegas Golden Knights, quite the contrary. Uh, but I think when you look at the, the game as a whole, Robin Leonard just did not look very comfortable. Do you get the sense or, or do you feel like maybe there's – 
there's some decision to be made about who goes tonight between the pipes for the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, well, judging from what we saw at practice, I think it's going to be Logan Thompson tonight, uh, but uh, um, we'll see when the warm-up starts. Uh, Logan was off the ice uh, before Robin Leonard was, and that usually indicates that, uh, that, that he's the starter. So uh, I was surprised that they didn't make a change during that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin didn't have it. He wasn't comfortable. You just judge by how many times he looked over his own shoulder to see if the puck was in the net or not. He did that a handful of times. Uh, up, made some big saves late in the game uh, to get them to overtime, and uh, that uh, you know d- did battle to get them that one point. But he didn't look himself uh, in that game. And, and the, the, like there's, it's not like this is December, and you can say, you know what, he's our number one, and we're going to let him get comfortable. And that means we're going to lose a couple. They can't afford to lose any games. And the last time we saw Logan Thompson, he was uh, riding a pretty hot pretty hot streak so uh to me it makes sense uh to, to put him in and leave him in there until he loses uh and then and then go back to Leonard and leave him in until he loses I, that i think is kind of the the bottom line for pizza boy right now yeah, if pete, you win you stay if you don't we're going to try something else yeah pete talked today about some of the challenges of integrating uh the guys back into the lineup he obviously he said i'd much rather have them in than not but what are, what are some of the challenges that he does face integrating Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty back into the lineup? Uh, well, it's interesting. I don't see a lot of difficulty in it because he played Stone and Pacioretty with Stevenson, and you, you, like the chemistry was there right away. I, you know, I mean, I think you have to. Uh, it takes time to figure out, you know, how much how much wind Mark Stone has, how how much he can, uh, how much work he can handle, and then. Uh, you know, Patrick's been back for a couple of games. They're elite athletes. Uh, uh, integrating them back in, like, it, to me, it's a storyline. It's a narrative. Um, and, like, Mark Stone's healthy. He's, he's playing for any team in the last locker room if he's, if he's good to go. And so is Max Pacioretty. So, uh, you know, I, I would go with, I, I would agree with Pete. You're a lot better off with those guys than without. The Golden Knights are 0 for their last 18 power play opportunities. And, you know, you look at eight games left, you, you talk about obviously the need to win a lot of those games. One of the one of the best ways to bolster your offensive production is to convert on the power play. How do you get more execution out of it for the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, I guess I should go back to the last question because that's the one area where integrating those guys in makes it tough because – uh, power play is all about repetition and, and you know, practice and confidence. And, and when you put two new guys into it, then you do have, there is uh, an interruption in it. Uh, to me, uh, when they're their best, they get a little more simple. They're really hard on, on puck retrievals. And uh, they keep the puck in the offensive zone and, and have some patience. But when they do get, get a shot on that, they go and get the puck right away if it doesn't go in. Uh, and uh, they're overthinking things. Uh, they're getting too cute with the zone entries. Like, if you have to, look at it, man. You, you've got an extra guy. You should be able to go and get it uh, and, uh, and then set things up. So I look for them to be more simple. That's, uh, that, to me, is the key there. You know, one of the questions that I have surrounding the, the Calgary Flames is 
you know, when you look at this team and you look at the impact of Daryl Sutter uh, and what it's done for Johnny Gaudreau, who's having a, a career year, uh, why why has Daryl been able to kind of get the most, get the best version of Johnny Gaudreau that we've seen uh, so far in his career? Well, without being disrespectful, uh, Daryl can be an absolute prickly <laughs> SOB. And if you don't do it his way... He gets in your face, and uh, I, I don't know if he can, if a guy like him can last for a long time in today's NHL. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, he did it in LA for for a number of years, where it's it's his way, or it's really hard. Uh, he'll find ways to uh, to get you to do things the way he wants to, and it's not it's, it's not new school. It's not. Uh, Hey, we're partners in this, and it's I'm the coach. This is the way I want it done. And if you don't do it this way, I'm going to make your life suck. And uh, that's what he's done. That's what he's done with this group. And so far, uh, they've bought in. You know, when I when I look at at this game for the Golden Knights, we we understand the importance of it, and and this road trip really for me is is one of those big ones. The Golden Knights still have an opportunity to get five out of those six points. Uh, do you have a couple of keys to the game tonight for Vegas beyond just find a way to win? What, what are you looking for tactically from the Golden Knights? Well, you have to defend all over the ice uh, tonight, and uh, uh, if you give the the Gaudreau line. Uh, Time and space, they will uh, they'll chew you up. And like, they don't need much. Like they need five feet, uh, and and they'll find the seam, make a pass, and the puck is in your net. So he, uh, they have to defend them from their own goal line all the way up, and it's they have to have really good gap from the defense, and then back pressure all night long from all four lines, uh, from all four forward lines. So that if the defenseman wants to challenge one of the flames forwards uh, and 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 take some space right in front of him away. The guy has limited options, uh, goes to go right or left. There's a forward there with back pressure uh, to, to, to eliminate him. That's defending has a five-man unit is crucial, and puck management is massive as well. Uh, offensively, um, you can't be cute. It is... Uh, you know, get it to the net, get it behind the net, work from there. Uh, do not, don't get east-west at the offensive blue line or in the neutral zone. A lot of straight hockey, and again, you've got to go back to they have to defend like hell all over the ice. You know, that that kind of brings up kind of an idea or a, or a thought anyway. When when it comes to Jack Eichel, we we are seeing the offense, right? We we understand what he's able to do uh, with the puck in in the offensive zone. But uh, as you go deeper and deeper in this playoff run, are you starting to see areas or or different facets that that for Jack are are going to have to come along with this experience in terms of defending leads or just playing the right way? Yeah, no, he's going to have to. Uh, uh, you're gonna to have to learn some things about this kind of hot, yeah. uh, and that is, you know, his de- the defensive end of his game, the defensive awareness. Like it's you don't, it's not a green light on offense and then uh, a red light on on defense. It's green light all the time, and you know when you lose the puck, you have to work just as hard to get it back. And uh, you know, like he just needs to watch Sidney Crosby play. 
and realize that's the way I have to play. When I have the when I, when I can be offensive, great. When I have the puck, when I don't, when we don't have it, I have got to be just as impactful on that end of the game. Uh, and you know, when you're in Buffalo and you're never a playoff team, um, and, and and one goal uh, doesn't make or break the season, uh, it's you know you 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 take your foot off the pedal in that regard. Uh, but here he's going to be forced. Uh, and, and it'll come from his teammates uh, if there is a part of his game that needs to, because he's capable of doing anything, right? Defense is learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, those are traits and characteristics that you could, you pick up and you decide to use. It's learned behavior. Uh, and his teammates will tell him, uh, you know what, Jack, when we change, you know, you can't float over to the bench. You've got to gun it. You get, we, you, when you're tired, you get off the ice. So someone with fresh legs can get out there and check and get the puck back for us. All those little things that, that you know, a scouts, general managers, evaluators will all tell you. A player learns at the pace, at twice the pace in playoff hockey as he does in regular season hockey. Because every mistake you make is heightened. And, and, you, and you learn, boy, I can never do that again. Because if I do, the puck goes in the net and we, we lose the series or we lose the game and we put ourselves in a hole in the series. And, and that, that learned behavior is, uh, well, that's, there's nothing better for a hockey player. All right, Gary, great stuff. Thank you for taking some time here on a game day. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll be listening to you uh, very shortly. Thanks for coming on here. Take care, guys. Have a great night. All right, that is the Golden Knight insider himself, Gary Lawless, uh, helping us really set the table on on kind of where the Golden Knights are at, obviously what needs to happen over the final eight games of the regular season, and then filling us in on some of the information from practice earlier that becomes a little bit more difficult when you're not in the building of, of, of understanding. It appears that Logan Thompson was first goaltender off the ice here in practice, so we'll keep our eyes open for warm-up as to who will be in net for the Vegas Golden Knights and, again, uh, team effort top to bottom is what's going to be needed against a Calgary Flames team that not only has high-end skill but is also incredibly deep. We're back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Really leaning into the one-timers. Telling you right now, it might not be something I relinquish back to Darren Millard when he's back with us here on the program. But nonetheless, let's get into the first one here, Chapman. Um, It was reported yesterday and since confirmed by the NHL that the 2023 Winter Classic at Fenway Park, a venue that has already seen a Winter Classic happen, uh, will feature the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. It will be the Penguins' sixth outdoor game and the Bruins' fifth. Why do I care? (laughs) I, I, I don't know if you should, and this will, by the way, be the fourth home game for the Boston Bruins in that uh, outdoor game or winter classic or heritage classic or stadium classic, whatever you want to call it. Stadium series, winter yeah. classic, yeah. Yeah, so so this is their, their fourth home game in that, that series. You know, it, it's it's almost oversaturation 
because at this point, they're just recycling the same teams over and over and over again. And yeah. the other thing is, is there really a, a rivalry between Boston and Pittsburgh? I mean, we've we've seen every incarnation of throwback jerseys these teams can, can come up with. Yeah. They're, and honestly, it doesn't interest me. Sure, I like to watch Sidney Crosby. Sure, I like to watch the, the Bruins and, and Brad Marchand, and maybe he's going to do something crazy. But especially with Tristan Jari on the ice. Okay. But, yep. but but there's not really a rivalry between these two teams. It doesn't really stir up interest in, in, in I think, the casual fan. So I don't necessarily need rivalries in an outdoor game. Like It's more spectacle than anything else. I'll lean heavily into that. Um, scenery is always going to be interesting. It's always going to be cool. Like I've loved what the NHL has been able to do with some of the stadium series games where you go in slightly less traditional spots like Los Angeles um, or, you know, just you have more licensure, right, to kind of play around with things. But to me, when it comes to the Winter Classic, I don't want to see two teams that I've already seen before. Like, and you mentioned the jerseys, Chad, and like, that's one of my biggest complaints here is you're running out of concepts. Like, there are so many, there are only so many Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys that we can bring into the conversation and we can draw up and we can put out onto the ice to make it unique and fun. Like, we've already seen the baby blue jerseys. We've seen dark blue jerseys. We've seen all the different throwbacks when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And like, listen, I get it. You want to maximize Sidney Crosby as long as you possibly can. I understand that fully. But it's tired. I, I don't, like, there's nothing that's going to draw me out for this game. There's nothing that's going to, like, really appeal to me to care about this game because it's just another run-of-the-mill outdoor game from the NHL, which features two teams that are way too oversaturated in outdoor games. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, it got me thinking of, a game that I would actually like to see, teams I would want to see yeah. pl playing an outdoor game. And it's going to sound a little biased on my end, but I feel like I can I can really make it or sell it. But give me the Devils against the Anaheim Ducks in an outdoor game for this reason. <laughs> I want to see Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras okay. on a national game yeah. outdoor because, first of all, they're they're – the two best young American players in the NHL right now. Uh-huh. And the idea that the two of them on a nationally televised game with that much oomph behind it, you, you don't know what you're going to see. Plus, the last time the Devils, the only time the Devils have played in an outdoor game, it was one that uh, I think Devil fans would like to forget. But both of these teams have only played one outdoor game each, and both of them played in 2014, the Ducks against the Kings and the Devils against the Rangers. So give give me some non-traditional teams, teams that don't really have a huge following. Right, New Jersey's kind of the stepchild in, in that area. They're behind Philadelphia in terms of fans, behind the Rangers, behind the Islanders. But they've got Jack Hughes. Mm -hmm. I want to see Jack Hughes as much as possible. I want to see Trevor Zegers as much as possible. Give me those two teams. Okay, um... Did you did you get around to saying where you'd like to see the game? You know what? It's going to sound funny. Okay. I want it in a non-NHL city. Oh, jeez. Don't do that. I want it in San Diego. San Diego? But, yes, because Trevor Zegras, he, 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 he seems like the California kid, despite the fact that he's from New York, but he kind of strikes me, strikes me as a California kid. Jack Hughes is from sunny Florida. Uh-huh. 
warm weather, right? You think of the beach when you think of Florida. You think of the beach neither when you think one of, of those. Neither, neither one of those places are anywhere remotely close to California. No, no, no. Orlando and, and New York, but but Hughes is from Florida, right? It's the beach town. The, it's you, you think of the beach when you're in Florida. Sure. Yeah. You think of the beach when you're in Southern California, which is where Zegras plays. Uh-huh. Give give me the game in, in America's finest city. Put it at Petco Park, which is maybe the best baseball stadium there is. Okay. Um so like I I I'm gonna say this fully understanding that I'm probably in the minority here and that's fine. I I tend to I tend to like your your concept. I like your idea. I do think that if you're going to go with Anaheim and New Jersey, uh, you're probably going to want to put that somewhere in Southern California. Um, I also think that there needs to be like a, a, a J.S. Jaguar award for the, the, the winner. Whoever wins that game in, in starting in goal gets the J.S. Jaguar award. <laughs> um, but like, I, I don't want traditional anymore for the Winter Classic. And like, I, I don't think that that's, going to fly with many but give me florida and tampa we all know how much i love jonathan uberdo um so give me florida and tampa outdoors i don't care which city i don't care if it's tampa i don't care if it's sunrise like i don't really care it doesn't matter to me um but give me right at the turn of the year two teams that do not like each other and it'll likely intensify even more as they continue to be good at the same time and they continue to kind of have those paths where they've got to go through one another in the playoffs. Give me Tampa, Florida right now in this day and age when these two teams are absolute wagons in a really cool, unique, different setting. That's what I'd like to see. More so than, you know, Chicago, and luckily we've kind of gotten off of that train, uh, or Boston, or Pittsburgh, or Washington. I just I don't need those teams in outdoor games anymore. I just don't. Yeah, I like the idea of a game being in Tampa because you have the pirate ship as the backdrop at, at their stadium. And think about it, every time a guy scores a goal, maybe the cannons go off. I know that's a Columbus Blue Jackets thing, but it's still kind of a Tampa thing, too. That's a big pirate city. They have the big pirate festival, Gasparilla down there. Yeah, Sign me up for that. You know what? Do it Gasparilla weekend. Sign me up for that. That'd be great. I'm, I'm on board with that. Florida and, and Tampa in Tampa with the pirate ship as a backdrop. You know, the other avenue you could go is the Arizona Coyotes in an outdoor game just so they, <laughs> they can draw a National Hockey League crowd. I don't even think they would do it. <laughs> They'd have to play Vegas in an outdoor right, game. Right. Because it's the only Vegas, way they're going to fill it up. Vegas, Arizona. At Sun Devil Stadium. There it is. Or, or I think the baseball stadium has a retractable roof. They could do it there. Okay, <laughs> it would be it'd be 90 percent Vegas fans at that game. All right, Chapman, let's let's turn our attention before I say more mean things. Um, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, Claude Giroux, Ryan Suter, Mark Giordano. Of uh, those five players, that's like the uh, nursing home of the NHL, right there. Those five players, all without a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Who do you want to see win one most, and why? Uh, I, I like Mark Giordano, <laughs> and and I know it sounds funny because that would mean that the Leafs would win the Stanley Cup, but I think his road to the NHL, it's well documented that, that he's had a really, I, I, I'd say, interesting past as far as becoming a great player in the league. He was a former captain. He spent a lot of years playing on a bad Calgary team. I, I, I think I, I, I'm on board with, with Mark Giordano. I think that's the guy I'd like to see win it. Okay, where does Joe Thornton rank on your uh, on your list here? 
put him at the bottom. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no, he's with Florida, right? So yeah. so I wouldn't mind that because I'd like to see Florida win the Stanley Cup too. So I guess like he'd enough, be enough time has passed. Yeah, right? yeah. Plus, you know what? He he he's he he's gonna go down as an all time great and you know, he, he, he kind of bounced around a little bit the last couple of years. You're right. Enough time has passed. I think we can forgive him and his whining to the ref on the not a major. Where you're I not say over it. Bar- still. Barking you're still, at the you're ref. still not over it. It's I, don't, I don't know if I ever will be. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You're not still holding on to that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm fine with Joe Thornton. I, 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 enough, you're right. Enough time has passed. It'd be cool to see the, the Panthers win the Stanley Cup. It'd be cool to see Joe Thornton and the Beard. So, get to raise the cup. So here's my thought process on it, because we're talking Joe Thornton and Claude Giroux, both uh, playing right now with the Florida Panthers. By extension, I'm going with Joe Thornton, mainly because I want to see Claude Giroux win a Stanley Cup. And the reason being is there have been some rumors, not like a ton or anything, but just an idea or a thought out there that when Claude Giroux becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season that there might be a link to Ottawa. And frankly, I'd like to see Claude Giroux win a Stanley Cup before his career ends. So the only chance he's going to have, if those rumors are true and he's linked to Ottawa, uh, the only chance he's going to have is, is this season right now here in the present moment with the Florida Panthers. So I'm, <laughs> I'm all in on Claude Giroux, and then by extension, that means Joe Thornton would win a Stanley Cup. And 14. you know what? I wouldn't even be mad at it. I, I, I'm beyond the point of, of caring whether or not Joe Thornton wins the Stanley Cup. There were some periods in time where I was dead set against it. But right now, I think I've, I like to say that I've grown. I've mellowed out in my old age. I'm good with Joe Thornton raising the Stanley Cup if that's what it comes to. Those are your one-timers for Thursday, April 14th, brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. We're back to wrap it up next with Chris Chapman on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan, I want to follow up with something that we talked about yesterday. I believe it was in one-timers. And follow up with Ryan Hartman and his fine. Mm-hmm. Of course, he uh, told Evander Kane where he can go. And he was fined by the NHL for doing so. Hartman tweeted out today, Wow, overwhelmed by the amount of donations I have received to help pay for my fine. You fans are amazing. I will be paying for it with my own money, but wanted to let everyone know that any money sent to me by 7 p.m. on Friday will be donated to Children's Minnesota. As the kid experts, they provide amazing services to children in Minnesota and the Midwest. Instead of sending money to me, please consider donating directly to Children's Minnesota. Thought that was pretty awesome. And how about that? Evander Kane somehow creates something good by being a bonehead. Well, there you go. That's that's nice. <laughs> I mean, good on good on Ryan Hartman. I, I, I think it's great. I, I, I think it's interesting because, like, on the ice – Ryan Hartman, Evander Kane, like they're, they're cut from the same cloth, right? Like we, we know what they do. They're pests. They're annoying to play against. They're both highly, highly talented offensive players uh, that play with an edge. So they become even more frustrating and annoying to play against. But in this moment, Ryan Hartman is leaning so far into it. And it's, it's great to see because, you know, there's, there's a charitable 
benefit here. Um, obviously, it, it, it turned into a really intriguing moment just in terms of the NHL and the temperature right now surrounding Evander Kane. But I'm with you. I, it's it's a, a funny moment that kind of comes out of a very heated exchange on the ice between two guys that have a very similar game but certainly don't like each other. And, and I think if, if everything that started with um, conflict ended up nice and, and, and put in a, a nice box and a, a bow tied around it at the end, uh, we'd be in a much better spot. You know, I think there's another Evander Kane joke in there somewhere, but then the uh, I'll err, err on the side of uh, good taste and not tell it. I don't even want to know. I'm, like, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, Chapman. I'm not even going to. Okay, so tonight, Vegas and Calgary, what, what's your gut instinct? What are you thinking? Uh, what are you thinking there, Chapman? I think Vegas flips the script. I mean, their back is against the wall. They've got far too many leaders in that locker room to 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 come out and play a crappy game, I think, two nights in a row. I think they're going to beat Calgary. I don't know about Saturday, but I feel like we're going to get maybe the best effort of the season from the Golden Knights tonight. You know, I, I've i gone back and forth on this game. I, I think the opponent does matter in this situation. I think that Vegas does want to send a message to Calgary. And I think that we're going to get a really dialed-in effort from the Vegas Golden Knights. I think details are going to be where they need to be in order to win a hockey game. And I think that's really where what it's going to boil down to. Are the Golden Knights structured defensively? Are they taking care of what they need to in the defensive zone? Are they able to stretch out Calgary a bit through the, through the neutral zone? Time will tell, but it'll be really interesting to see how this one goes. Pre-game show coming up with me right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 